Every week, we, uh, we have question boxes up here on both sides, and you'll see this color uh, card in the pew. There's also a question box out in the foyer that you can place them in, and every Monday, I pick them up. And we answer questions that were about the last week's or about that series, uh, and we, we don't mind what questions come in. Those that do not apply to those uh, series of sermons and yet are still important, obviously, we're saving those. And this summer, we're going to get to almost all of them. So, um, and I say almost because some of them are going to take us a little longer to get to. Uh, these three are not actually spot on, but they're, they're in the area. So uh, one says, and, and some very, very nice things about me, I won't read here, but basically says, thank you for approaching this. I wonder, are you brave enough? That sounds like a wee bit of a challenge, doesn't it? If I remember the movie Brave, it was us, wasn't it? Yeah, so I wonder, are you brave enough to examine homosexuality in a similar manner? Absolutely. No problem. Now, we're not going to do it real fast, and here's the reason. I don't do any of this until I've read everything I can get, talk to everybody I can talk to, dig everywhere I can dig. And I've been doing that on the, sub, on the issue of homosexuality for the last couple of years, and I still have a stack of things I'm trying to get through. I don't want to speak here until I'm certain in here. And so working on that, but absolutely, will we do it fearlessly? Oh, friend, there's no other way to do anything than fearlessly. Um, one person writes, and it's, it's a very nice long question, but basically it says, since we're in this river of faith, why are we paying so much attention to the rocks? Why don't we just talk about the river? I understand what you mean. Why are we spending so much time on the role of women and such when we should just be talking about Jesus? A lot of me agrees with that. But the problem is, if you flow down this river of faith, you're going to find shipwrecks by these rocks. We have to address the rocks. We have to help people understand why they're there and to avoid them. Avoid ruining, making shipwreck of their faith, as we brought up last week. So we have to talk about these things. Some of our young people, by the way, Madison and Molly, you, you nailed it. You did a fantastic job this morning. Um, and I, I have the feeling our job's hanging by a thread, George. <laughs> but excellent job. Uh, some of these young people are going to go off to school and they're going to hear about rocks. They're not going to hear about the Jesus stories. And they need to know the answers. If they don't have them, they turn into people whose faith goes like this as soon as a professor says something. We don't want that to happen. So we got to talk about the rocks. But your point is still valid. We want to major on Jesus, and we will get to that point. Trust me, we're working on that. And then I like this one, last one. Since you go to all of the adult connection groups, will you ever come to the youth group classes? Duh. Yeah. You guys are... I like you. Uh, so... So yes, I, I, will, I will get there as soon as, actually I'm on a schedule on a rota and they're going to rotate me into there. And then also says, are you preaching at camp? I hadn't heard of that. Um, I don't normally go to camp because I grew up at camp, not like a Christian youth camp. It's, um, it was, we grew up in shacks. So um, when people say, let's go to shacks and I'm going, I've done it. You know, it's kind of like asking a Vietnam veteran, would you like to go for a hike in the woods? No, did it, but who knows, it, it, it could happen, you know, um, my medication could slip, I don't know what could happen, 
Now, if you're a visitor here today, welcome home. And you might be wondering, when is he going to get into the lesson? And I want to talk to you about the wondering because it's going to continue a bit. This is part six of a series we have done on the passages in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy chapter 2 that's, that seem to lock down women. But if you notice, in the rest of Scripture, women do a whole lot of stuff. And yet we don't talk about it. And you might even have not noticed it until we started laying all of those scriptures out. We're not going to lay out a lot of scriptures today. We're going to save them to the very end. Uh, and because we have to do some history. Don't, don't panic. It won't be that painful. But why is it we don't see the big river, but we only see the rocks? Let me use an illustration. Came to America, uh, was working with a church in Ohio, and once every year, they would, a bunch of the men would drive down to Myrtle Beach to play golf. They asked if I would come, and I said, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm Scottish, we have to play. So uh, I got in, got in the van, and all the way down, these guys in the van would go, oh, turkey, oh, deer, grouse, I, I don't know, unicorns. I, they, they were always, they were seeing things. I never saw any of the animals. I would look. They would say, they're right in there. And I, I, I didn't see them. Why? I had never been trained to see them. In my country, um, well, this is my country, but you know what I mean. Uh, back in Scotland, we don't hunt. You know, uh, only wretch English people named Nigel get to hunt. <laughs> and the Scottish guys, our job, the only job we get is to hold the deer, you know, while he shoots it. You know, that's it. That's, that's all we have. So I, I was never trained to see them. We need to be trained to see some things we were trained not to see. And that's what we're doing here. So if you ever visit, we're still talking to visitors, if you ever get uncomfortable wondering, wait, there were two females up here, we understand. We will never make fun of you. We will never say, oh, come on, get with the program. We get it. We do. But we've done the hard work here to have a look at the whole river of faith. And we invite you to jump in and join us. And if you have questions, they're welcome here. Uh, we're not afraid of those. Every lesson that I do up here is online. You can look at it. You can write letters in. You can ask questions further. On Easter, we will have uh, a worship team led by a female. And I want to tell you that to the visitors, but I also want to tell that to the members. I'm aware that some of you have families that that would make them very, very uncomfortable. So I don't want to surprise you when you say, hey, family, go to church with us. And then you have an uncomfortable Easter. I would still love it if your families came with us, but now at least you know. All right? Well, are we going to do this every Sunday? No, th there's the point. You don't dethrone men and you don't dethrone women. We work together. But we don't want to shock and surprise. Is that fair? So we're giving you the heads up here. If you have any questions or heartburn about it, come talk to me. Uh, even in the middle of the night, call one of the elders. Um, <laughs> you don't want to call me. I'm not a Christian in the middle of the night. That's why God doesn't want me to sign up for the 2 o'clock one. He's, he's gone, no, I only want to talk to Christians. Um, very briefly, I would, had just done a youth rally in uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, yeah, and... It was a very people-intensive thing, and 
uh, I had been talked to about as much as I could stand and talked about as much as I could stand, and a person that likes quiet went to their, their little airport. Uh, it's, it's very little. Uh, early, so I could just sit and be quiet. And in this big expanse, there was nobody else there because, in fact, I beat TSA to that because they don't even show up until the flight time. And so I, they eventually, someone showed up, let me through. Uh, you know, they just asked if I was carrying any weapons. I said, what do you need? They laughed, let me through. <laughs> I'm, so I'm sitting there quietly reading, and in walks this family. And it's obvious the guy's in charge. He's right out of central casting, uh, I, gone with the wind, you know, planter hat, the, the seersucker suit, the cane that's more of a, a prop, doesn't need it. And these women following him, looking down, all dressed drabbily. I've seen these churches before. I know what's going on. And yet, they look at all this big empty space and they come sit all around me. <laughs> you know, I'm looking up going, good one, God. Um, <laughs> I even had to move my stuff because they were sitting so close around. Yeah, uh, then, then my phone rang. I was actually one of the elders here, and that gave me an excuse to go, I, I have to leave you now to talk uh, to about God things. And so I went away. And then we got on the little plane. The plane is a very tiny plane. Uh, the pilot doesn't have to get on to say, you know what, he just turns around and says, we're going to take off now if you want to pick that up. And so we're taking off, and the planter suit guy is right beside me. And he leans over, and he thumps me on the arm. Now, I'm, I'm Scottish. You don't touch us. You know, in America, you say hi by hugging each other, you know. And, and when we get married, we still address each other by, the, you know, Miss Mead and such for the next six years or so. So, he, and I'm, I'm going, yes? And he goes, that book you're reading, actually, it's more like that there. You know, it, it was, it was, he, was, he was trying to, to be more Louisiana than Louisianans. And, uh, and I said, yes, and it was the book, Junia. The lost, uh, the um, the first apostle, the first woman apostle. He says, is he trying to say that the name Jean, Junia was a, a female name and that she's a, an apostle? And I said, yeah, that's what he's looking at. And he said to me, well, I would disagree with that. And I'm thinking, all right, fair enough. I'm not going to have a discussion with a guy about Greek on a on a plane, especially since I'm pretty sure he doesn't know any. And, and I don't know much, and so, but this guy does, and so I'm just trying to read. He thumps me again. This is why they don't let you carry weapons on planes. I, I've, I'm <laughs> looked over and said yes, and he goes, the way I look at it, if, even if Junia is a female name, it could be like that Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. There was just a guy that had that name. I just smiled and said, okay. Went back to reading. He kept talking. And eventually, this, these words came out of a human mouth. He said, I guess you'd have to call me anti-women. I already knew that. I already seen that. I often used to read Romans 16 like I used to drive down to Myrtle Beach, and I didn't see all the stuff to see. I didn't see the animals and the wildlife, but in Romans 16, I thought the meat of the book was over. You've already done that. 
you know, move on. It's just a bunch of list of names. So a woman is named an apostle. Did the apostles like her a lot? Or was she in prison with, all right, Junia and Andronicus, whoever they were, just, was it Junius? Some of the Bibles even called Junius Junian. And I thought, well, all right, just moved on. People, that's a study on how not to read the Bible. When you come across something, you should look at it, think about it, walk it around a while. There's a, this book I was reading, but it was written by Eldon Epp. And he wrote a book called Junia, the First Woman Apostle, in which he does all that hard work. He goes through every single, every single manuscript we have of Romans from the first several centuries. That's hard work. And there, were ta- there are tables in this book and charts. It is very complex. It's a ton of work. He goes through it like a scientist, not like a theologian. He doesn't have an ax to grind. He's looking at the material. And he laid out some introductory truths. Junia was a very common Roman name. It was a female name, always. There are no males given that name that we can find ever. Not just in the first century, second century, third century, ever. It was a Roman female name. In fact, it was so common in some Roman families that freed slaves took that name. And they would call themselves Junia. The women would. Number two, the name in Romans 16.7 was a female name and considered that way by church leaders and all writers without exception in the first 400 years of the church. Three, Greek versions of the scripture continued to spell it as a female name until a guy named Alfred in 1852 changed it to male for no reason. Didn't even make a note on why. Other than that, nobody joined him until 1892. In the footnotes, it was put, maybe female. We went a long time with the female apostle. What happened? Who killed Junia? Let's lay out some facts. Early translations, such as the Old Latin, the Vulgate, uh, the, um, the Sahidic, the, the Boharic, the Coptic, the Syriac versions, all of them spell it as a female name. English translations read it as a female name until the late 1800s. The name Junia never existed as a male name. So when he was done collecting all of this, Epp writes this. Can we put his quote up? Junia occurs in all Greek manuscripts except for five that have a variant of another kind of name, namely Julia. But Julia is clearly a woman's name, the most popular by far of all names in Rome. How, on any scheme then, did scholars get to a masculine term and to a man, Junius? which some of your Bibles will say Junius. The Bible calls her an apostle, as highly esteemed among the apostles, along with Andronicus. Remember that the word apostle means messenger or leader or emissary, those sent out. It, uh, and that there were more than 12. If you're thinking, oh, there are only 12. No, remember, Matthias, Paul. There were other people called apostle in Scripture. Andronicus. Junia were also called apostle. Was Junia an apostle? The early church said yes. There's a guy named Chrysostom, which his name means golden mouth because he was such a great preacher. 
he didn't like women. And, and some of the things he wrote about women are awful. But he thought she was an apostle. Look what he says in, in a letter we have from him. Greet Andronicus and Junia, who are outstanding among the apostles. To be an apostle is something great. But to be outstanding among the apostles, just think. What a wonderful song of praise that is. Indeed, how great the wisdom of this woman must have been that she was even deemed worthy of the title of apostle. And he wrote that 400 years after Jesus. The church still referred to her as an apostle. So how did that get marginalized? The first one to marginalize the name, not in English, it happened in German. There's a fellow you might have heard of named Martin Luther. Remember his statement we've quoted here a couple times about if women die in childbirth, what's that? That's what they're here for. He was not pro-women by any stretch. When he translated the Bible into Greek and Latin, he followed the text of a guy named Lefebvre, and he changed the name Junia into a man's name because he said, we just can't imagine that a woman could have been an apostle. That was it. And the German translation Luther used, and wrote, rather, and then it was used, is as influential in the European world as the King James Version is in the English-speaking world. And so all of Europe began to follow this translation. You might be interested to know, he didn't do that without people noticing, and he was strongly criticized by other translators of Scripture. But it was too late. The damage was done. Interestingly enough, the King James Version has always kept her female. Always. Never changed. But there's another villain here. Down in Rome, Giles of Rome. This is just a bad guy. Sometimes called Giles of Colonna, if you want to look him up later. He was a servant of the popes. The worst of the popes. Boniface, that, the worst of the popes. His job was to protect the popes at all cost. Whatever they wanted to do, go find a way to make it theologically acceptable. That was his job, and he was good at it. He served Pope Boniface VIII, a pope known for his rabid hatred to women. It was Boniface VIII that, who was the pope that removed women in the Catholic Church from serving in public roles. Before then, they taught, they led, they were professors. They even offered communion until him. He shot them down and locked them in their convents. And now Giles of Rome had to figure out how to back that up because that was not a popular move. By the way, Boniface didn't mind using women sexually, and he raped many, saying adultery was of no more consequence than washing your hands. Yeah. And it was Giles that was charged with giving him that power. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't you just love Bradford Pears? <laughs> I don't. Um, my wife's saying, look at the blossoms. I'm thinking, look at the blooming trees. Anyway, it's a different thing. <laughs> the year that he did this was 1298. And this is one of the reasons why Protestantism began to grow is because of Giles of Rome. They couldn't stand this. And people left the Catholic Church over it. 
So Martin Luther, Giles of Rome, but there was a third guy named Nestle, sometimes called Nestle, but Nestle, who built a text to the Bible and changed Junia to Junian. You need to know this. The name Junian does not exist in the first 700 years after Jesus. It's a made-up name. And it was changed that way because they could not abide the idea of a woman as an apostle. Now think about this. <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to keep happening, people. <coughs> you used to be able to do, take the mic away. Now they strap it to you. Um, it was sabotage and assumptions that killed Junia. Not Greek. Not God. Not the Bible. Not the church. Started with Constantine, who wanted to form the church into the Roman pattern with Roman ideas. Therefore, the men he put in charge of the church held Roman ideas about women. If you don't know Roman ideas about women, you might want to read Sarah Rudin's book, Paul Among the People, a historian who looks at the attitudes of men toward women in mainstream Rome. Then comes Giles of Rome, Martin Luther, Nestle, and after 1,800 years, Junian is erased from our scope, and we don't even see her as we read Romans 16. We miss her like we miss so much other. Let me give you an example of this. Um, and I don't want to get in more trouble than I already am, but, oh, look at that. Thank you. If it's cool, Jesus won't forget this. Well done. You're in. <laughs> I am often asked, all right, do you believe in six-day creation or did God take billions of years? And I say, I don't care. And people will say, no, he expressly said that God spoke and it was. You're only partially right there. Go read first, uh, Genesis 1 again. Not now. Okay, now. He spoke and there was light. But then he told the earth to bring forth the crawling things. He told the earth to bring forth the other things. So it could mean one or the other, couldn't it? As Christians, we need to learn how to shrug our shoulders and say, I don't know. And we need to learn how to say, all I know is that Jesus loves me and I love him. That's all. We need to be the people that don't make harsh, critical snarky, mean comments about the movie Noah because it didn't match the VeggieTales virgin, version we had in our head. If you, if you wanted the Bible story, you didn't have to spend 10 bucks. You could have stayed home. If you go there, you're going to see a different story. Understand it. Try to be the kind of people that everybody else wants to spend eternity with. How's that? Instead of being the kind of people they can't stand to come in and spend an hour with on Sunday. Just saying. So all they had was water back there, huh? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> By the way, you might be thinking, well, if they got this wrong, what else did they get wrong? Not much. The Bible is pretty well done in the way it's translated and kept for us. But every so often, culture jumps in it. Like the word baptize. That's a made-up word. In Scripture, it's immerse. 
but they didn't want it to be there, so they made baptize. They took the Greek words and they put English letters in. That's called transliteration. But we know that. And we go, watch this. Be careful here. You see, that's where the community of faith enters in. Madison, Madison and Molly talked to us about the need for relationship. You can have intelligence, just amazing intelligence, but you only get wisdom when you walk in community. The group gets together and says, wait a minute, that's in Scripture. Let's look at our manuscripts. Let's look at what does the Lord tell us? How does how did Jesus treat women? What is the Holy Spirit telling all of us? And we, all of us at this church, have agreed that women are not intended by God to bear Eve's curse, that God did not send his son to keep that curse going, but to break all curses, and that we are neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free in him. But you get that in the community. In nature, we see male and female are partners. In the Bible, we see Dorcas and Phoebe and Junia and Deborah and Priscilla and the daughters of Philip and more. When the community saw the rock and the stream that was the erasure of Junia, it moved. Seventy years after Nestle and these others changed her name, most Bible translators said no, and they brought it back to female. Very few of the newer versions keep her male. It took 70 years for us to correct. And if you're a teenager, that's way too long. Um, when it comes to social movements, that's pretty fast. How many hundreds of years did it take us to get rid of slavery? It takes us a while to make our correction. And over our years, by the way, we've also been making correctives to the anti-women's rules of Constantine's church and that were backed up by Western culture and backed up by uh, Victorian England. Sorry, sorry, I'm not English, but I'll apologize for them. That Victorianism about women are to be precious and jewels, but they are to be locked away at home. No. Our church was a product of our time. We spoke highly of women, but we kept them out of the public eye, like the Victorians did. It's time we realize something. Learn this. If you don't know this, know it now. The world is always going to be better at evangelizing us than we are at evangelizing it, unless you know it. And if you know that, you watch for it. And you don't go with it. Instead, you say, what does the Lord want? The community has applied a corrective. The Holy Spirit would not let us remain as we are. And if you are from a church of Christ visiting us today that, um, that we've made you a bit unsettled, you need to know something. In the first 60, 70 years of our movement, instruments were used in many churches, and women were preachers. And one of the longest-running dialogues in the Gospel Advocate, a local paper, I've heard, one of the longest-running dialogues in the Gospel Advocate was between David Lipscomb and a woman preacher in the Churches of Christ. You can read the book Distant Voices if you want to have a look. We are not trying here, in other words, to catch up with culture. We're trying to go back to our roots. 
who we are as a Christian people. And if that looks like we're also doing what culture is doing, could it be that the Holy Spirit is working in culture as well? I'm not afraid of him working outside our walls. We build walls. God knocks them down. Real quickly, we have inscriptions and murals and carvings. That's how we know a lot about the first centuries because a lot of the paper disappeared, the papyrus rotted or is burned or reused. In Midas, we find a prominent woman named Theoempte, a woman named ruler of the synagogue. Remember, synagogue means congregation with a carved post. Nineteen other inscriptions have been found naming women as ruler of the synagogue or elder or priest or mother of the synagogue. One, a lady named Sophia, is called elder and head of the congregation at Kissimmus. Did you know that? Don't let them erase history. Don't let them do it. Inscriptions from Egypt dating from the late 200s name a woman, uh, let's see if I can say this, Paniskianes, that's it, uh, Paniskianes, a woman as an elder, presbytera of the church. The bishop Diogenes set up, a, and by the way, he didn't care for women, but he set up a memorial for Amnion and Kali, two female presbytera, elders. There are dozens of passages and letters from one Christian to another, naming women as leaders in the church. And one of our two earliest books outside the Bible about how to organize churches is the Statutes of the Apostles. And in it, you see churches are expressly instructed to, uh, to have at least two widows who are ordained to teach the people, male and female, teach the people. Interesting that we have lost this somehow. We forgot this. So what should we do with this? Should we tomorrow decide, all right, we're going to have female elders here? You know, I don't think you should run fast with anything. I think you should pray, process, think, and see where the Holy Spirit goes and try to catch up. So we'll see. But I will tell you this. Last Monday night, Cammie and I had all of the elders and the wives in our house. It was probably our favorite night so far since we've been here. We had a good time with them. We were also supposed to have an elders meeting, and I asked, could we leave the women in here? And all the guys said, sure, because what guy is going to say, no, women, get out, because that might go poorly. Brothers and sisters that were there, just be available for somebody to come ask you if you agree. I believe we got more wisdom in that meeting because we heard from more voices. And I think it was a good thing. We're no longer male or female. At this church, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. We're going to we're going to look for what the main thing is and not fight over these things. I, I would not, if you were to say, you know, we need some more elders, I would tell you, no, we don't. But if God raises up more elders, we need to recognize them. And if you come to me and say, we need women in positions of authority, I would say, no, we don't. But if God wants to raise up women, we need to 
recognize that. You see what I mean? Our agenda is, do you remember? Empty hands, open arms. But whatever God wants to put in our way, we will acknowledge and say, here we are, Lord, to do your will. Let's, a few scriptures, and then Albert will invite us into our time of prayer and give us a blessing. And by the way, Albert, you are a blessing to this church. Micah chapter 6. Remember what the theme is, the main thing is in Scripture. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Take a look at Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember, 611 laws? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of it. The main thing, the main thing. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And then last, two passages in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then chapter 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Read this together with me. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 